Hey everybody and welcome to part three of our Mandalorian breakdown uh, where we're doing two episodes at once. I'm your host Pappy coming to you from Louisville, Colorado and luckily I think we're able to take our time a little bit more on this week for chapter five, The Gunslinger and chapter six, The Prisoner. Let's go ahead and introduce our host. Uh, let's go east to east, good old fashioned style and uh, we're actually going to get this episode out a lot sooner than usual. We've been recording these the Thursday night before the next episode comes out. Uh, uh, not smart. Not smart. <laughs> not great for uh, good old-fashioned SEO. But what I want to talk about is something that's going to get a lot of traction on the internet, Rise of the Skywalker. Go ahead and say who you are, where you're recording from, and your hype level defined on any big dumb movie rating scale uh, for Rise <laughs> of the Skywalker. Uh, let's start with the uh, creator of Big Dumb Movie, the newest full-time member of our podcast, Corey. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, well, I'm Corey, recording out of Simi Valley, California. And, uh, I mean, you're asking how hyped we are for Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I'm about as hyped as someone could be for a movie, and it's kind of building up over the uh, the weeks leading up, so... A few months back, I wasn't super hyped, but it's starting to build and build, and uh, I'm very excited at this point, as I'm sure Josh is. <laughs> Are these the movies you get most hyped for? Does anything beat this for you? Uh, this is. I'm gonna sound kind of stupid. I know I'm not like uh, <laughs> like super fancy like you guys with movies, so fancy. I get very hyped for Star Wars and Marvel movies. So I'm kind of a pleb, I know, but I do like them. Do you? Are you a leaks guy, Corey? Do you try to avoid any? spoilers per se are you go how cold are you going into it i haven't seen any leaks so i'm not trying to hint anything i watched the first few trailers and then i don't watch the last few trailers so i haven't seen the last two uh rise of skywalker trailers or rather the last trailer and then the last tv spot that came out after that nice yeah i i like i said i try to avoid any leaks i haven't seen any of their most recent trailers but you mentioned josh uh who i think is the next we assist i'm not really sure but uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Josh? <laughs> a little bit about myself. Hi, this is Josh. I'm from Goshen. Uh, I feel like it's telling that you asked such a loaded question at the beginning of this Mandalorian pod. That's really tough. Hype level, for me, as you know, Pappy, staying real tepid, lukewarm, same temperature as the inside of a tauntaun. And <laughs> I think that, for me, bringing it any higher than that is setting myself up to fall uh, I lived through the prequels when they came out live, and I lived through the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones. So, m- <laughs> me and pop culture right now, I'm. You lived d- through it. You just barely made it. <laughs> yeah. Josh survived. <laughs> That's actually what the show Chernobyl is about me getting through all those pop culture disappointments. <laughs> It should be called Goshen. Oh, man. <laughs> Corey, why are we fancy? What are you even talking about? I don't know. You guys are more, you know, into highbrow cinema. <laughs> yeah, when Brad chooses a movie, we yeah. usually choose Fast and Furious. <laughs> I look at Pappy's letterbox, and it's like some fucking 1946 random movie, and it's like four stars. The, the execution of emotions on display was uh, completely, I don't know. You I mean, guys yeah, are fancier way, than me. I have a way with words, like you just said. <laughs> I'm very articulate. Uh, Josh, I wanted to ask you one other thing, though, real quick. 
I think it's been kind of a shitty week to be on Twitter because all of the Last Jedi stuff's been raising its its ugly head in that debate again. Just out of pure curiosity, have you ever listened back to our Last Jedi episode? That's one chapter of spoilers. Not that it was a bad episode, but I just have no desire to to re-listen no, to it. No, you should. It's actually, it's not ugly. I think we're pretty open-minded. I think I gave it like a soft disappointed no but like really we fairly go through all the parts there's some parts we liked and honestly we also played the audio of like eight other people's reviews during that pod so a lot of voices are heard can we do that again for the rise of skywalker it was a lot of work on the back end (laughs) (laughs) post-production 903-776-4507 is our spoilers hotline that's never been used (laughs) so you can leave (laughs) us a voicemail there Uh, but the last but not least I I think Mikey you were a voice on the the last Jedi uh, podcast but let's go back to the Mandalore or let's go back to Rise of the Skywalker what's your what's your hype level going into it uh I would I don't know how anybody could be hyped anymore at this point. They've, it feels, it feels like they've released like a new clip on Twitter like every day. It's like, like the whole movie is already out there. But, um, I don't know. I don't really have any sort of hype for these movies. I've never had any hype for this trilogy, really. I mean, I watched the first one, uh, in the theater and was kind of hopeful that they could make something out of it and then the second one came out and i was like ah this isn't really for me anymore so i don't know i'll probably watch this in a theater but i'm not going into it expecting it to be nearly in my like top 15 movies of the year at all i'm not really expecting much at all Mm -hmm. that's about where i am at the same level mikey's i'm just trying not to get my hopes up too high but i know you've been really hyped up about this show the mandalorian i think you and stevie are pretty much the reason that we're doing this breakdown do you could you give us a quick kind of high-level synopsis of what happens in Mandalorian 5, The Gunslinger? Like well, like we predicted before, it's another very uh, self-contained story. Yeah. Uh, this one is pretty much... It's not exactly a bottle episode, but it's uh, there's only about like two locations in this entire episode, and it's a pretty self-contained plot. Uh, Mando is in a dogfight, and he has to land his ship at a repair dock and it's run by a very funny mechanic i can't remember her name but she's a funny comedian she's kind of like steals this episode i think she's kind of running around with baby yoda yeah amy sedaris she's running around with baby yoda in this episode i think it's important to note though that he doesn't just land anywhere when he's out there he lands in mos eisley on tatooine (laughs) that's kind of like a big deal right (sighs) I was frustrated by it. He lands a mere 50 doors down, I think, from where the Millennium Falcon was. Like, doors hangar 96 or something like that. And he was at 35, as he'll note a couple times in the episode. He was at 35? You saw that? That's where he tells that one douchebag, Bounty Hunter, that he's um, where he's actually at. And he meets him there. Toro Calican? Yeah, douchebag McFatterson is what I call him. (laughs) Is there a reason why we're not exploring, like, literally any other part of this universe while we're just stuck on these like three planets in the entire I feel like this is taking Pappy's suspension of disbelief away in particular it really pissed me off like frankly like I don't understand why we have why Tatooine has to have so much importance in this universe and like previously the Mandalorian had been doing such a good job of like just showing us different 
locations and even though like we were a little confused on what where one and two were and we talked about the jawas like at least at least that was apparently a different planet and we learned more about the jawas that they can travel Corey, did you like seeing tuscan raiders and being back here on tatooine and the same cantina i, and, uh, I loved it okay i so know it. you did <laughs> here's the thing I knew at some point in this series we were going to go to a very familiar location and see very familiar things. And it was at episode 5, a little more than halfway through. It did happen, and I mean, of course it was going to, right? So I liked seeing the things we saw. There's so many references in this that, like, I don't know, just made me chuckle or laugh. Well, I think he even uses those throwbacks in Tatooine to say a little bit about the characters in this episode. So Toro Calican mentions Corellia. So he's probably from there, which is where Han Solo's from. This is after Endor, so he clearly knows about Han Solo. I'm, I, I'm sure they have Twitter on Corellia. So um, <laughs> yeah, they do. Like, is he kind of trying to retake a uh, classic bounty hunter steps from his planet or something? I don't know. Maybe gives you a little insight into what some of these people's motivations are, Pappy. I mean, while well, he's sitting in Han Solo's chair, ain't he? Yeah. <laughs> like Han Solo, yeah, and apparently, like that—that's literally supposed to be the same cantina uh, that now has droids. I mean, it definitely is. The layout's exactly the same, but yeah, you're right. There's droids behind the bar, and they didn't allow them before. Mm-hmm. And and uh, what, 2019. What was, the... <laughs> <laughs> what was the bounty hunter's name again? Or the new the newbie bounty hunter? Toro. 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 Can we please uh, call him douchebag McFadderson? Or well, not. I was going to say, uh, I'm sure Pixie Bomber, uh, correspondent who hails from Seattle, would agree that he looks exactly like the quarterback Russell Wilson. I know, like, down to his nose and everything. But, Mikey, what did you think about him as a character? I mean, like, he, he seems to be kind of a hotshot, and I don't exactly know why Mando is taking the time to help him. Yeah, he has a lot of confidence for being extremely green to the bounty hunting scene. Um, he's kind of trying to play it way too cool with Mando and offers him a job and Mando turns it down because, uh, he, his first job is going after this extremely amazing, uh, assassin or whatever in, uh, Corey, what's her name? Oh God. Uh, in the, in the show, it's Fennec Shand. Yeah. He's going after Fennec Shand and she's like a really amazing assassin or something and Mando's like, you're way in over your head. I don't need this heat. So he kind of walks away, and Toro is pretty desperate to get into the Bounty Hunters Guild. So he offers him all of the money for the bounty so Mando can repair his ship. And Mando takes the job, and he kind of explains to Toro that he's going to be in charge of this thing, and he's going to show him kind of the steps of how to go about being a bounty hunter. When when he ex- when he accepts this job though, here's my question to you guys. Is he this dumb and wanting to like help out because he feels bad for young people or is he going to double He's cross broke. double cross this guy at the end? He needs to get his ship repaired. He went into the cantina looking for work. So he's got no money and he's like stranded on Tatooine right now. He has to do this job. He's just trying to get paid. That, that makes a lot of sense. I am a little bit confused about his motivations, I guess. So maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more in six. Like sometimes he kills people. Sometimes it seems like he doesn't want to kill people. He's a little bit all over the place, all over the place there. But 
one of the things that really stuck out to me from uh, the battle sequence is the mention of the words high ground. Did anybody else catch <laughs> catch that? <laughs> oh, I mean, of course. How could we not? <laughs> but apparently Mandalorian's armor is impenetrable. Like, he gets sniped with a sniper rifle multiple times to the chest, and nothing happens. He's basically a superhero in that way. Did that bother anybody else that he seems to be a little bit too too invincible like what are the stakes if he if a sniper rifle doesn't kill him he says uh his armor held up because it was like so far away but I but think... then when they get closer it still holds up <laughs> it still holds up <laughs> oh does it does she shoot him again <laughs> yeah i don't i mean he has the awesome armor i i'm not complaining i mean that's kind of like the the all the bounty hunters uh what's his face boba fett his armor was all screwed up because he got shot so many times but i think it just comes with the territory of being a bounty hunter that's a really good point pappy it reminds me of kind of the quandary of superman the man of steel like what's the point of his comic if he can never be hurt but kryptonite is part of that world and little baby yoda is also green he's the kryptonite of the mando i think uh that's (laughs) really the way to his and our hearts if we're being honest about it yeah that's true, and and I wasn't a huge fan of the the Baby Yoda sequences in this. The mechanic who we were talking about when she discovers Baby Yoda, that to me was the worst scene of this whole series so far. Like it's it's extremely drawn out. There's like thirty five or forty seconds uninterrupted of her just like rocking Baby Yoda and being like, oh hi, like talking to it, and then it ends with that like classic Star Wars like wipe fade or what's that transition called josh am i saying that right you know it's I mean? not a fade it's just a wipe a white well, it ends with that like classic star wars wipe and like when that happens after something cool and epic it looks awesome but when it happens after someone like baby talking baby yoda for 30 <laughs> seconds it seems really <laughs> really lame and trite and amateurish. that must have been really loud in your big old ears <laughs> yeah i have said that to my dog before though i did like that um <laughs> i mean i don't know i like what really happens here at the end? Does anyone remember? I know that the the rookie assassin is a little bit... He's too easily convinced that Mando is uh, worth more. But does anyone remember how this episode wraps up? Uh, yeah, so they go, they do acquire their target. And um, she gets left alone with Toro for a little while. And con- convinces Toro essentially to turn in the Mandalorian instead. Because he turned on the Bounty Hunters Guild. So he just shoots her, and he does decide to do that. They have kind of a, a standoff there at uh, Docking Bay that the Mandalorian ship is at. And Toro gets the drop on the Mandalorian. Uh, but Mandalorian uses something from earlier, those like uh, those, like flash grenade things, to, like, oh, yeah. I guess, temporarily distract him. And then uh, he gets shot, right? Yeah, and that Toro's reason to backstab Mando is kind of like why I brought up that question earlier. If he's going to get into the guild, which Mando is helping him do, he's going to necessarily find out that Mando is like the most wanted of the guild. So it was just like a matter of time before this information came to light, and Mando left him alone with a woman who had information about that. It seems... In episode 6, we find out he's been doing this for a long time, but when that happened... Maybe kind of to your point, Pappy, him being all over the place. I was like, maybe he's been underground living like a rat with the other Mandalorians, like not 
doing actual stuff his whole life. Yeah, I guess so. And like, where does the money come from that he pays the mechanic at the end then? Like, was that from, did he just rob one of the bodies? Because he dumps all that money in her hands and she's like, oh, that should cover it. So the editing isn't super clear, but he does <laughs> take something off of Toro's body. Okay. I'm not sure if it's like the sack of Imperial credits or whatever. Um, because it seems like he gets the credits out of like his own like bag. Yeah, that was just a little confusing to me. And I don't understand what the, to Josh's point, what the order of operations would have to be. Like, would he have to just like hang back while the other dude turned in the body and then he comes back with the credits? It just didn't sure. seem like a, yeah. a good plan. But yeah, that was a good amount of discussion on chapter five. But I know there were a bunch of other like little references and stuff. Did you guys have any other, uh, anything else you wanted to talk about from the gunslinger? Uh, the Tuscan Raiders. So, there's a part when they're going to track down uh, Fennec Shand and they see some Tuscan Raiders. There's a moment that's pretty much straight out of A New Hope where Toro is looking through his uh, macro binoculars and he, he's like looking through a distance and he sees that there's Tuscan Raiders kind of far away. And then when he puts them down, they're standing like right to the side of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that same thing pretty much happens to Luke. Except here, the Mandalorian busts out his awesome hand ASL hand signaling language. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just going to ask you about that, Josh. Like the r- relationship that we've had with the Tuscan Raiders has really evolved over the course of these films. It's almost like we talked about in Frozen Two. There's some more uh, deafness dealing with the indigenous people <laughs> issue. <laughs> yeah, these are some super woke. Uh, Tuscan Raiders <laughs> and Mando is like seeing that they're natives of the land and like you know for him it's really easy to give him Toro's binoculars for passage but at least he manages to keep the peace here uh, one other note I have on the episode Pappy is uh, after uh, what's her name the Fennec Fennec Shad yeah. after she like dies maybe dies she's played by Ming Nawan by the way but there's like a shadowy figure that comes to her body later. And I'm just saying, I kind of thought that looked like Darth Maul. What do you all think? Uh, well, the person had legs, so I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was interesting. I don't know what that was implying, but uh, for this assassin being so awesome, we don't really get to see much of her in action. So it's kind of disappointing. I hope she's not dead and kind of makes a comeback. Darth mm-hmm. Maul would know how to bring someone back from the brink. Well, the um, popular theory is that it's Boba Fett. Oh. So Boba Fett was well, last seen on Tatooine in Return of the Jedi, where he fell in a Sarlacc pit. Uh, for a while there, the extended universe said that he like escaped out of there. He just basically used his jetpack to fly right out of there after all that went down. So he was fine, actually. <laughs> uh, that's not canon anymore, but, um, you know, fans are still clamoring for the return of Boba Fett, and it might be in the show. Why does Star Wars always do this, Corey? Why don't they just take the simplest option? Darth Maul actually died when he got cut apart, and <laughs> Boba Fett actually died, and the clones are the stormtroopers. There's not some, like, complicated other backstory. <laughs> Why is it always the most complicated way to get to where we're going? To subvert. Uh, I'll have to text George Lucas and ask him later. Okay. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I do want to say this, though, about the Tuscan Raiders. Um, the fact that they couldn't speak verbally, that's 
That goes back to, I don't know if you guys ever played the game back in the day, Knights of the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's canon in that, which is not canon anymore, but the, the Tusken Raiders speak a language that, like, no one speaks, like, not even droids, like, no one has that language. Doesn't that have something to do with smell or something as well? That I don't know, maybe. Some I deep Star that... Wars lore for y'all. <laughs> yeah. I know that, uh, the sign language thing is probably, like, the thing that would make the most sense because no one's ever been seen communicating with them directly which is why they're so hostile yeah that makes sense and yeah one last thing speaking of deep star wars war josh is apparently when george lucas went back and added in like the uh greedo shot first stuff uh, that there was a black mark left on the wall in the uh, cantina and that's not there anymore so <laughs> apparently it's supposed to mean that han really shot first oh and gosh. people people on uh, star wars twitter were rejoicing <laughs> about that brave choice but <laughs> Let's go. Jesus. Let's go on to chapter six. Uh, this is this is a uh, another kind of classic setup for a TV show or a movie. It's, it's a the got to break out the prisoner episode. heist episode. Heist episode. We got our friend old Billy Redbush in here, Mikey. <laughs> what? Well, what kind of happens uh, uh, here in episode six? Give us a, a, another quick high level rundown, and we'll jump in as as we have some stuff. Yeah, uh, Mando needs more money. He always needs space money, uh, which looks just like bronze lug nuts and steel <laughs> stuff in a bag. <laughs> so he needs money, and he goes to his old old uh, partner, Ran, who is played by uh, some guy. Mark Boone Jr. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's been in, like, The Dark Knight. He plays the crooked cop in that. He's, he's a really good actor. Whoa, he's, uh, what do we know him from? We personally know him from Fast and Furious 2. <laughs> He's the rat uh, guy. He plays a, He's the rat guy. He plays a crooked yeah. cop who gets his tummy eaten by some rats. Uh, but yeah, his name is Ran, and he used to work with Mando, and they used to do bad jobs together. They were, uh, sounds like they were bad guys uh, doing work together. They were in the Sons of Anarchy together back in the day. So, Ran needs Mando's ship because it's like so old it doesn't show up on anybody's radar. And they're going to go to this space station that holds prisoners, this Imperial space station that holds prisoners. And uh, they're trying to break out uh, a Twi'lek. They don't know that yet when they get there, but it's a a brother of uh, another person they're running this job with. Corey, I know you're more versed in the Star Wars uh, universe. There's definitely a crew that assembles here. Do any of them stand out to you? Uh, The the devil guy, maybe he's a—I forget what you called him. Uh, Hellboy. Yeah, his name's Berg. He's played by Clancy Brown. Uh, he's a Deveronian. Now, the thing that's interesting about their species existing in Star Wars is that the first appearance of one of those characters was in A New Hope in the Cantina. It's like a really quick shot of him too. He's barely in there. It's he's like, what the he's hell just is like that? a devil-looking guy, kind of out of place. There's actually another werewolf-looking guy, and. In the original version, I think they took the werewolf guy out. But the reason those guys are in there is because they wanted to have a bunch of different creatures in the cantina. And they didn't have the budget to create any. And Rick Baker, who was working on the movie, he was asked by George, like, do you have any extra masks that you've made? And we could just, like, slap them on people. And one of them was, like, a devil (laughs) mask. So the reason those guys exist in the Star Wars universe is because it just so happens to look like a mask. Rick Baker once had that he put on someone that is in the cantina, so now they're 
they're a Star Wars species apparently now. And apparently they're Im- like immune to fire as he gets like uh, flamethrowered in the face and just kind of laughs it off <laughs> at the end of the episode. Yeah, I never knew about that, but it seems to make sense, right? I mean, he's he's the devil. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Josh, do you do you like the the level of mining that Disney has done of the OT? Like any. Like I said, like now just even like a throwaway character that's just there in like a, a medium close up shot is is now getting explored and, and flushed out. Do you do you appreciate that from Mandalorian or do you wish that we were moving forward more? They're mining more than you mine space in the mines of Kessel, but I think nice. the- <laughs> spice. <laughs> spice, yummy. Uh you know what I I see where that could bother you, Pappy. Mando has been so fun for me. I prefer to think about how much fun John Favreau is able to have with all that. Like he can pretty much do any single bottle self-contained episode of anything he wants and feels as exciting and just pull from this expansive universe, things that he thinks are cool. And that sounds really fun. And I think a lot of that fun comes across on screen and as an end result. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be cynical. I actually like the inclusion of the devil guy, like way more than I like, uh, talking about Jawas or revisiting Tuscan Raiders. Like this is like, I think it's more of an acute eye for detail. Like that guy always stuck out to me, uh, in a new hope. And, and the fact that like, we're learning more about a species, I think it is kind of cool. But Mikey, we talked about Bill Burr, earlier uh or i mentioned his red bush what did you think of his acting in this uh in this episode i thought he was awesome honestly uh uh he plays um he ends up saying that he used to be an imperial sharpshooter and he plays kind of like this gruff kind of wisecracking soldier who's like rand's right-hand man now he's the guy who took mando's place after mando left uh ran uh partnering up but yeah he runs the show now and he's got little quips and stuff for mando just like (laughs) sizing him up and down i mean i think bill does a, a great job and i love that they didn't kill him at the end because there's always a chance that he could come back and i think people on twitter were like i really hope bill burr comes back because he was Probably the best part of that episode. So, I love it. So, you remind you guys of Cypher at all from The Matrix? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little. <laughs> like his attitude or the way he looks? Or both? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought he did a great job, too, with like... You can tell that there's something rotten in Denver about this whole sort of exhibition. Like there's some whispering and there's some like tension being drawn. But when Baby Yoda reveals himself, there's like this really great moment of tension where Bill Burr's like, I might just keep it for myself. (laughs) And like, you just don't know like where that's going to go. And it's kind of disrupted by the plane getting jostled and and Baby Yoda flying over the the plane and thank God he was okay. But what, what kind of happens, uh, Corey then at the, the middle end of this episode like there's a double cross and the zero droid uh is sort of looking for baby yoda we're cutting back and forth between those two things yeah so when they're going to rescue this prisoner there it's it's going pretty routine for the most part um there is a moment there's a really good action scene i think one of the better action scenes of the show where they take out some droids but everyone in mando's crew is pretty much pinned down and they I don't know, seems kind of hopeless because all the droids are just approaching him, but 
Mando comes up and just like single-handedly takes them all out. It's pretty epic, but it's not like perfect. He he's kind of struggling in there. It, it I don't know. I think it's a good representation of the Mandalorian in action because he like falls mm-hmm. down a lot. He, he you know almost gets taken out a few times. It's pretty good, and nobody's helping him. Yeah, nobody helps him. Those sons of bitches. <laughs> I just love when they drop down in the ship, the Republic ship for the first time, and you see those like sterile white walls. And I don't know that I know that's like hearkening back to stuff, Pappy, that we've seen before, but it makes sense to have this like one prison thing all with one guy operating all these droids. Like, that's probably kind of how the Republic operated, right? I guess. Yeah, and I love that he, the, the guy who is flying the ship, has those, uh, I don't know what, what I don't know if the helmet has a name, but those classic and they call him like an egghead at one point. But he has like the <laughs> the the same helmets and kind of the same costuming as as you have in the OT. And yeah, the the sterile white walls didn't bother me. I did I couldn't help but think of like how much I hate Rogue One because they're able to sort of land uh land their their pirate ship on this giant imperial uh prison ship, and I feel like. That's the kind of thing that, like, Rogue One was based upon. Like, how were they able to do that? Like, what was the flaw in the system that allowed them to do that? It just, I don't know. It, it just seemed like they were able to get on the ship a little bit too too easily, speaking of that. But sorry, Corey, you were, you were talking about the end <laughs> the end of the episode. What, what kind of happens here at the, no, let's at the just, very end? No, let's just argue about Rogue One for a while. Change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I would gladly. <laughs> All right, no. Uh, so, if they're going through the ship, they do eventually get to uh, the the prisoner that they're there to rescue. Uh, he is Zian's brother. Zian is the female Twi'lek, who was also um, Tonks in the Harry Potter movies. But anyway, uh, that her brother is Quinn. But as soon as they rescue him, they just betray Mandalorian. And you know it's coming, because they're, they're pretty shitty the whole time. Even at mm-hmm. one point, they like say they're going to take his helmet off. And um, Bill Burr has a pretty funny joke that maybe he's a, a Gungan underneath there. But, yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Are they racist against Gungans? I mean, aren't we all? Yeah. I think everybody in the universe knows that they're idiots. <laughs> he never takes off the helmet. <laughs> this is the way. Huh. I wonder what you look like under there. Maybe he's a Gungan. Is that why you so don't want to show your face? <laughs> I, in real life, I'm wondering if like Bill Burr had any idea what he was saying at all. It's like when he's was, looking at the script. I was talking to someone else, and they made that same point, Mikey. Yeah, it's just like if he even knew about the Jar Jar Binks thing, uh, that he was like saying a Jar Jar Binks joke or whatever. I just find that kind of interesting. Why, is he outspoken about not having seen Star Wars? No, it's just Bill Burr is such an old, angry, red-headed man. He's, <laughs> he hates everything. He it's like, I, I doubt he's seen a Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the double cross is pretty pretty well t- uh, telegraphed. And, and I think I teased it earlier. Josh, I, I, I am a little confused on the morality of the Mandalorian, and it feels like the point of this episode, I mean, other than just being, you know, another 
standalone story, the way that this kind of contributes to the serialization is we, we get more about his character, right? We learn that he was a really bad dude and, and like, it almost sounds like he was involved in that genocide at one point. They're mentioning like, but you liked to kill all those people or something. And like, I know your true nature to now he clearly had the opportunity to sort of like kill everybody in that squad. And he chooses not to, they all mm-hmm. end up in jail. And it's, it's kind of almost a cliffhanger till the end that you find out that he didn't kill them. Is the catalyst for this Josh baby Yoda? Like, is that what we're supposed to be like gleaning from this? That, that, that that's why he's making a change. I, Are you confused because he's the protagonist and he's already made like a change make, before make, it even like started? <laughs> The protagonist, yeah, I don't, I don't Josh, know why. Josh, did you change when you became a father? Did you lose that killer instinct? <laughs> yeah. I don't... Uh, Yoda's 50. They're colleagues. Sometimes I don't see him as, like, his son as much. Colleagues. <laughs> Baby Yoda gets carried and dropped in these last two episodes. He's definitely not a colleague. <laughs> Child. Never toss a dwarf. Um... I think eventually we'll see something happen to Mando be- besides Yoda, Pappy. I don't think yeah. he's the cause of that. I think him saving Yoda in the first place is maybe like one of his first acts as the new him or something. I don't know. Even from the first episode, Pappy, he's been really concerned about the foundlings. He's a bounty hunter. He just gets himself in ugly situations. Who who knows what had happened in the past when he's running with the sands of anarchy? <laughs> they kind of say that about the whole bounty hunter way of life either or, or too. I mean, they take jobs for whoever's paying. That's kind of what a bounty hunter does. So I'm sure he has done really bad stuff before, but I think he knows now that some of the stuff that he did was really bad and I think he is kind of making a change. I think his justification at the time of those jobs was like I'm here to do my job. We know that he's very like, I'm going to do this job and finish it and I'm going to do it even if like the job is to you know, free someone in Carbonite and turn them in and I gotta crack some skulls along the way. But I don't think if it's part of the job he necessarily wants to, especially with you know him now being like a father figure to uh, baby Yoda. I have a wide snapshot question to Pappy. What do you think is going on with the rest of the Mandalorians? Because we heard uh, Fennec from the last episode say something like it didn't go well on that planet but you got out. And we heard some the Twi'lek in this episode say something like, why are the Mandalorians all dead? So do you think uh, part of I don't know. I, I'm seeing down the road that maybe this series is going to be about the Mandalorian rebuilding that culture or something? I think that would be kind of cool. It seems to be like some something happened in the transition of power. If that was like the rebels wiping out the Mandalorians because they were agents of the empire or the empire wiping out the Mandalorian at at the end of their reign, because they posed some kind of potential threat. Like I would like to learn more about that. And, And I think that, this show has done a good job of sort of like hinting at the culture. Like apparently it's implied that he and the purple lady banged, right? That's what oh, yeah. with his socks and helmet on bro. With his socks and helmet on <laughs> like a true gentleman. So they're allowed to have sex, I guess, but just not take off their helmet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's to be seen real quick before we get into any, 
yes or no's. Do you guys have any predictions on how, maybe not the series will end, but are, are there any sort of season revelations that you think think will happen? Um, I, I really think that we'll see his helmet get taken off potentially by the end of end of the season. But I don't know if you guys had any other sort of wild-ass guesses. I think it would be risky to go that route because if he loses his helmet, he can't be a Mandalorian anymore. Like He can't put it back on, I think. And then what's season two? You know, he's not the Mandalorian anymore. It's something else. <laughs> I joked a couple episodes ago with Mikey that this show isn't called Baby Yoda. It's called Mandalorian. But... What if Mandalorian Mando brings in Baby Yoda as like his first foundling or something, and Baby Yoda is the Mandalorian that the title is talking about? So maybe next season, like maybe the Mandalorian as we know him, Boba Fett looking dude in a suit, isn't even the main character we're following. If Baby Yoda becomes a Mandalorian, I just hope he gets like a helmet that has like the ears on the helmet. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Metal ears. <laughs> you can't hide that face away behind a trash can. <laughs> He's such an impossibly small target, too. It's only to his advantage to become a bounty hunter. And we know they can hop around. They can do all kinds of flips. <laughs> uh, I think, well, I think we're definitely going to get some scene of uh, Baby Yoda going all out on his powers because he's been trying to use it on lots of different things in like every episode. And he's always been kind of interrupted or put back in his baby carriage or something before he ever gets to do anything. So I think maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. This is a very uh, on the nose prediction. I'm gonna say Mando is about to get his helmet taken off, and Baby Yoda force pushes it back on his head, and then Mando destroys everybody who's trying to take his helmet off. <laughs> Love okay, it. that sounds fucking cool. I got one I actually really like I got that. one yeah. last thing here. It's not really a theory, it's a note I found. And it's that Dr. Pershing, who's the scientist that is doing those experiments on Baby Yoda earlier with Werner Herzog, he isn't they have spotted, and by they I mean the internet folks, have noticed that he wears a insignia of Camino on his jacket. Which is the big cloning? Yeah, damn they, good ones they, too. Yeah. <laughs> so is Baby Yoda a clone? So they're trying to clone Baby Yoda. Is the where that's going? I guess they're trying to clone him. He already is a clone. Uh, he's Baby. Or he's actual Yoda's son because ba- Yoda was banging on the side. I, who is Baby Yoda? <laughs> Will we find that out in season one? I, I tend to lean away from the Yoda had a side chick, but I think the cloning thing is probably <laughs> probably right on. And and yeah, to Mikey, to your point, I love the way that this episode ended, where Baby Yoda's kind of hand was like reaching out, and you and you thought for a second that he exploded the droid Zero, but it was really just Mandalorian uh, <laughs> shooting him from behind. Yeah, I forgot about it. that. Was hilarious. That was a great misdirect in a way to end this episode. But the way we end every episode of spoilers is each of our hosts goes around and gives a yes or no uh, for the piece of media that we just talked about. Uh, you can give your yes for both episodes, split it apart, but let's start uh, with Josh. Yeah, I'll just give both of them a yes. I think I haven't hidden my um, appreciation for the series behind very many walls here. Uh, I love it. I, I've been seeing headlines recently, like, oh, episode five is another standalone throwaway episode, etc. And I just disagree. I think there are little hints of an overarching story here, but I love the episode Adventure of the Week. 
items he's got going on here. Um, John Favreau is doing a great job with this series, especially with using so many different big actors for such little time and different directors on these episodes. I, th- I think it's pretty amazing what's come together here. So big yes for me. Uh, yeah, and, and to that episode of the week point, I, I think we did a really good job of calling that. I think it's in the first or second episode we start talking about this might be more of a self-contained adventure of the week story, and that's proven to be true. I'll, I'll go ahead and go next. Uh, I actually, I'm gonna give five a soft no, and six a yes. Uh, my rationale behind the soft no is I just think it's really, cowardly storytelling to go back to Tatooine and and this show has excelled in breaking you know a lot of modern television conventions in a lot of ways and and been bold about not dwelling on exposition but to to fall on the crutch of Tatooine again I thought was really really disappointing and and there was something about that episode just kind of fell off in general like I don't think Baby Yoda looked it was good in that episode. Like I said, the relationship with like baby Yoda and the mechanic just felt like pure filler time. And yeah, I don't know. It's that was just definitely my least favorite episode of the series so far, but six felt like a return to return to form for the series. Love seeing Bill Burr. Love to see him in more episodes. And yeah, I love, I love mm-hmm. when it's taking a specific kind of story, like the seven samurai story or a prison break story. And it, the bounty hunter one didn't work as much for me, but I love when it's taking a certain kind of story and doing that, like through the lens of star Wars. I think that's really, really cool. Um, Mikey, uh, why don't you go ahead and give your yes or no for the gunslinger and, the prisoner yeah i think uh gunslinger chapter five was probably the weakest of the season so far doesn't mean that i hated it i I like all of these episodes but um there was something missing from that it just seemed like uh plot wise you go from point a to point b and then we're backtracking back to point a and that's kind of the whole episode so it felt like there was maybe more that could have been explored there and as far as just like reusing the same planets and stuff i'm sure that bothers people that actually know a lot about star wars or maybe they love it i don't know but i know so little about star wars that it doesn't really affect me i'm just curious why it's a it's an infinite universe i mean you could go you could make up anything and just say you're on a new planet but they keep reusing the same planet so i find that a little odd but i think chapter six is the best uh episode we've gotten this season and like josh said all of these uh, small bit characters they're legit actors and they're just cameos in these episodes but it's amazing like they got Clancy Brown to put on a full suit of makeup <laughs> and get blasted in the face with fire for this episode it's, <laughs> it's awesome and Bill Burr has got three guns and a gun on his backpack that shoots <laughs> it's awesome I mean that was so cool even like the even the choices for these cameos are like so far out of what you would normally see in in big uh, productions like this. So I I love where they're going with the casting choices and everything, and I really hope they never stray away from the the self contained plot point episodes. I mean, I think it just makes for good TV. I don't need the overarching story for every TV show that I'm watching. I I like the short burst of what we're getting in Mando. So I'll give Chapter 6 a super hard yes. And last but not least, uh, Corey from Simi Valley, proprietor of the Kylo Ren memes Instagram account. What do you say for <laughs> the penultimate episode that we're doing on The Mandalorian? 
five and six. Uh, well, I'm going to keep mine pretty short, but I'm going to give both five and six a yes. Uh, I can see why some people wouldn't like five as much, but me personally, I loved it. I think Star Wars is pretty heavily nostalgia-driven, so to give all these like fan service things in Episode 5, I thought was fun, but I can see how it'd be kind of irritating to some. I like seeing pit droids and hearing someone say, you know, they're no good to us dead. I like these things. <laughs> I don't know why. But um, 6 especially was really good. I think the action scene in 6 with the Mandalorian is amazing. You know, it's pretty cool to see uh, this person utilize all his skills. And um, I don't know, I just thought it was a good time. There were some really good moments of tension in 6. And I think the show is just, like, amazing. It's I think it's one of the best shows out there, at least for me, being a huge Star Wars fan. It's a lot of fun. Um, the stakes are high when they need to be high. Uh, there's moments of comedy. There's good action. You know, they spared no expense on the budget, and I think it shows... I'm going to give them both a yes. Kylo Ren, does your wife watch this with you? My wife is like a casual Star Wars observer. She really likes this show. She watched five and six with me. Um, and the other ones, she's kind of like seen bits and pieces uh, while I'm watching them. She's uh, a big fan of Baby Yoda. I'll say that. <laughs> when they were dressed, are we all? <laughs> when they were dropping down to Tatooine, uh, I go, wait, they're going to Tatooine? Kind of to Pappy's whole point. And she goes, no, they said Mos Eisley on the intercom. And I was like, ha, 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 stupid. That's just a city on Tatooine. <laughs> Get your facts right, woman. <laughs> this is a man show. Coming down the pipeline will be a totally non-condescending review of Rise of the Skywalker, I'm sure. Uh, along with, we got the Lord of the Rings stuff coming out. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was our last episode of the movie game, so check that out. And like I said, if you want to leave us a voicemail uh, you can call our number 903-776-4507 we might play that on the rise of the skywalker episode but you gotta like sit through and let it ring and then it has like a generic voicemail outgoing message it's really sketchy but if you do if you sit through it we'll, we'll play it on the episode there's like a five minute process you really gotta get through it <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it's got like a voicemail like cut off too. So like, we've had people try and leave us like ten minute messages before, and it's like there's only a minute of it showed up. So yeah, keep keep it short and sweet. But that was that was spoilers. Thank you for listening, and take it away, Spoilerman. Spoilerman here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail dot com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Our spoilers hotline is 903-776-4507. That's 903-SPOIL-07. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. That was spoilers.